Infinity Wars. Episode 0017. Total recall against Minority Report. Listen to this episode in the fucking Johnny Tap. Ladies and gentlemen, how are we on episode 0017? Not 17. Episode 0017. Get your ass to Mars. I'm Kyle. You're in a Johnny cast, guys. I'm Drew. Oh, I thought you said it wrong, but I get what you did there. Podcast, Johnny jo- Cab, Johnny, Johnny cast. cast. Oh, sure. Once this podcast gets into your bloodstream, you'll start to see what I can only describe as the most extraordinary display of blue objects. I'm Phil. That was done. Well done. You had, Thank even, you. Did you write that down? I did. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm wow. learning, Mr. guys. He's never prepared, and this time it comes with a script. What's funny is, like, you're actually, you could be a voice actor for a living if you wanted. So, like, you actually could, I, I like, could try, yeah. Somebody's just got to give me a, a chance. That is true. You are a paid boy. I forget about that. <laughs> we have a bunch of weird talents I thought you were being room. cheeky. Like, I forget. No, I you can try music production one of these days. Yeah. Yeah, you do you, that. You record these podcast vocals so nice-like. Have you ever tried doing it for money? Well, we're off to a blazing yes, start. Yes, mm-hmm. blazing the trails. We have a crazy matchup today, and I, uh, you know, we had talked about early days of the podcast about when could we do Total Recall, kind of put it on the back shelf, and then realized that how perfectly it would go against Minority Report. I have read, up until June or July, I'm more heavily just reading fiction now, but I was reading kind of an even distribution of autobiographies and fiction. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I know. I was thinking, how how, <laughs> yes! how coy could we be today if we just, like, barely mentioned Arnold today? <laughs> I was thinking, we mentioned Arnold in every pod, but what if today on an actual Arnold movie, we didn't do it at all? <laughs> yeah, the reason, the reason I did that is because... Kyle texted us earlier today and said, can we not mention Arnold's autobiography today? And, see and if I we was like, well, <laughs> I will now mention it in the first three minutes. Well, funny enough, his autobiography is called Total Recall. So that's funny. <laughs> but up until summertime, I was reading pretty heavily, you know, both about 50% autobiographies, nonfiction and fiction. And one thing that really was nailed home by these two movies slash stories is I think I learned, and I want you guys to weigh in on this. I think I learned more about real life from fiction. Autobiographies especially and a lot of nonfiction has that is always going to have the issue of to the victor be the spoils of winners rewrite history. And that's always going to be something that you can't get away from. This was really glaring when I read Mike Tyson's autobiography. I felt like the whole book was him just trying to convince us that he didn't do horrible things. <laughs> you know, putting himself in the best light possible. Okay, Mike. Yet, fiction writers, in we have such a glaring example today of Philip K. Dick, who is just one of the most legendary science fiction writers of all time. Although it's through the medium of fiction with some of those boundaries removed of reality can really explore some deep, dark ideas. And the example of these two stories is what I would call a prophetic technophobia. And just so you guys know, please write these dates down. 1956 is when he wrote The Minority Report. The book, Mm. or the short story was The Minority Report. And then he wrote in 1966... The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs. The ruins things, people. Let's just keep that in mind when you want to put the in front of something. Just Mm -hmm. don't. And also on TikTok, you can only put so many characters in the description. Box. Have you made me the steak? Like, yeah. what kind of stupid shit is that? Just I'll say, take the sushi, please. Yeah. Do you have the sushi? Fuck Stop the. it with the period. What is it? The definite articles? Stop it with the definite articles. Yeah. That's bullshit. Where are the police? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Let's log on to the Facebook. Yeah. Stupid. How dumb the stupid Facebook. And then think about this. In 1966, Philip K. Dick publishes the short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, which is what Total Recall is based on. Later, he writes his his breakthrough story, which is uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is what Blade Runner's based on. So we're talking about a guy that literally just writes gold. written all this stuff. Just prolific. But when I talk about this prophetic technophobia, when you read these short stories and you watch these movies, knowing that these stories were written in 56 and 66, he was predicting things 
things in such a way that these things are so prevalent today and so real today. You kind of get less of it in the movies only because you got Arnold and you got Tom. We got to have the action elements, but mm -hmm. they're Tom still Arnold. in these two. And I'll, I'll give you realistic examples from each one in Total Recall slash We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Think about it. It's so drab. Life is so drab that we want to pay good money, hard-earned money, construction money to have artificial memories implanted in us, in our brains, of something that didn't happen. And, and one of the things I love about Total Recall is the first time you see Arnold really stretch his range. You know, he's got some of that timidity, kind of that lackadaisical, uh, you know, faces. Like, he's just doing more than he's done traditionally. And when he's going down to have the memory inserted and he's going into that machine, his face, you know, he just does such a good job selling that mystery of, I just want this to be done. I can't wait to have this memory. But that is social media. This idea of, like, mm. artificial memory implants. When I was talking to you about it, Drew, you, you said something along the lines, yeah, when we take selfies, we're looking for the best angle to make it look like we look great. Mm. We want to take it in front of the best wall. We want to take, you know, pictures of our best food. And we're just constantly pushing out that best. We're trying to make that hmm. impression. I hadn't thought about that. That's you know, but Dennis Miller, one of my favorite comedians, said, um, never have lives less lived and more documented. Well, like the, the current social media generation that's like, yeah, I walked down the street. Now I'm in front of a bakery. Yeah. Snap. You know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> It's you know, a great quote. Yeah, we're not seeing the part where, you know, maybe you hit your spouse or, you know, where you, you know... Went there, huh? Or didn't feed your kid. You know, <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> yeah. couldn't just have had a Can bad... We, yeah, couldn't have just I mean, had a bad day. Uh, you're I mean, beating people. You're committing felonies. All oh, right, yeah. Cool. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm triggered here. But, uh, you know, that's what... You know, we're accepting the memories that people want to implant on us on social media. And it's, it's kind of scary that in 66, Philip K. Dick felt that this was going to be the thing in the future. That was his future realized. Minority report. Really prolific example. I've been in the tech industry a long time. I don't know what it's called philosophically. I'm sure there's a real term, but I call it the exchange of comforts. And you guys have heard me talk about this so much, but totally. this idea that we are willing to give up freedoms, um, what, you know, is like your data archetype when you're, you know, buying stuff on Amazon. Yeah, you're getting stuff in two days, but they are designing an algorithm and predicting how you're going to buy, when you're going to buy, what you're going to buy. They are designing mm. a digital you and using that to predict the future you to get money from you, to have power over you. And I've been, and then it's tech industry and one of the corny inside jokes we have is you know what the biggest lie on the internet is I accept these terms and conditions. Oh, yeah, of course. Because think about it. You mm. sign up for an app. You create your Facebook, your Google. How many pages? It's hundreds, thousands of pages in these terms and conditions. Who reads them? Nobody. And it's, it's intentional. We are so thirsty and so hungry for that comfort on the other side of that technological advance that will give up liberty, will give up our privacy. And that's what Minority Report is. Think about it. It's the exchange of do we have a murder-free society, a crime-free society? Yay, that's great. We're going to implicitly trust a technocratic agency and just trust that when they tell us that someone's going to murder someone and they arrest them months before it happens, that they're doing the right thing. Imagine when you don't know you're going to murder someone and they call your number and you, that you're being arrested for something that you haven't even thought of yet. I can't think of a bigger violation in fiction of your rights, of liberty. It's wow. crazy. He saw that because we're doing this every day. Your, your two-day shipping, your Facebook account, you are giving your privacy, your data in exchange for the comforts of today. And Dick in 56 wrote about this. It's amazing that they had dicks in 56. Also, <laughs> um, I was just going to say, you were so fucking good at this. You are. That was amazing. That was great. Yeah. I, you, awesome insight. I hadn't even thought about that. Mm -hmm. So good. I'll use this segue too, since we're on the Facebook thing to talk about. Uh, if you are on Facebook, join our Facebook group and give your data to us so that <laughs> we can spy on you and, uh, you know, come up with things to talk about on this podcast that you'll want to hear before you even know you want to hear them. Boom. Boom. Sci-fi, everybody. Yep. Yeah. I would actually argue that Total Recall goes much deeper than that first. I mean, that was a good one. I hadn't mm -hmm. thought of that. But like, 
even something as simple as FaceTime. I feel like Total Recall kind of invented FaceTime. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, like that's, I mean, this was 1990. That was not a thing. Like you yep. watch it today and you don't think twice about someone wa- like talking to someone visually, yeah. like via a computer. But they that was a pretty did, cutting edge. Yeah, they both did a really excellent job of visualizing a future. Same with like even the plasma TV on the wall. Like he just like, he just, things went up on a giant mm-hmm. screen on his wall. Like that's a thing now. But in 1990, yeah. that, nobody had big screen TVs. And, I mean, I, I, some maybe did. But um, and then even like this is kind of a stretch, but even the Johnny Cab was sort of a hybrid between Uber and Tesla. Mm-hmm. Like this, what you feel like that's kind of where the future is going. Right. I mean, you know that Uber is well because it was essentially a self-driving car. But to I'm assuming in Total Recall to make people feel better, they put a robot in it, so it looked like someone was driving. Right. So there wasn't that disconcerting like you get in the car and the front seat's empty. You know. Well, do you remember the candidate from the last election? And this isn't a political thing, but his Andrew Yang, his whole premise was he spent time with truckers who were scared of their jobs being automated by self-driving and they were going to keep drivers in the car pay them less but just let them sit in the car while the truck drove itself so people felt comfortable that a semi-truck had a person behind the wheel i don't hate that idea i mean that's yeah but it's well, also 30, it's a transitional move, a huge reduction in jobs sure if that actually happened today which they're already working on it i know that they're probably way further down the line in research than most of us even realize but if that happened today we'd be like oh a driverless car duh like that's fine whatever but it to an audience in 1990 how like that what better way to introduce that really progressive concept than put like a fun little robot yeah. that acts like a friend while you're you know while you're riding yeah and when i was it's a kid i understand this film more now as an adult but my first favorite thing i always couldn't wait for when i was a kid watching total recall was johnny cab like i always just like oh it's johnny cab Ooh! it kind of felt yeah it kind of felt like a, a robotic character you'd meet at like an arcade or they something also, in the 90s they also made him look like a 50s milkman like yeah. yeah, that was weird. Which was or a of, cop in Britain. Yeah, kind of a British like cop. That. Yeah, yeah. To where to like reference something from the past, where it's like, oh, it's safe. This guy's from the past. You know, the know. best part is when Arnold rips him down. And he goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, and Arnold's like, how did I get here? Yeah. And he was like, you opened the door and got in. Like, he's just <laughs> he's like, got it. It's just very literal. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's talk about experiences, Drew. How did you uh, experience these films? Minority Report was one of the very first DVDs that I owned. So I got an Xbox when I was a kid for Christmas, and I was thrilled about the idea that I could watch DVDs like in my room. And Minority Report was kind of like, it had just come out. That was like the hot new movie that year or whatever. So I got that for a birthday or Christmas or whatever and I watched it several times. And I think I loved it at the time just because it was like Tom Cruise who's the biggest movie star in the world. It was like Steven Spielberg, biggest director in the world. And it was such a cool looking movie. And it was like the movie you were supposed to like if you were like a you know 14-year-old kid or whatever. So that was my first experience with it. I do remember when I watched it as a younger person not fully understanding everything. Like I loved the first 20 minutes and then I just sort of always fell off. Like what's going on? There's like a lot of minutia that I really couldn't sort through. Uh, Total Recall I'd never seen. I re- watched it recently for the first time maybe a year ago. I think you and I watched it together. Two years ago, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just got really into Arnold. Uh, You know, if you haven't gone through an Arnold Schwarzenegger binge mode, you should, because it's great. He's got an amazing catalog. Uh, I loved RoboCop. 
so I was excited about a Verhoeven Schwarzenegger team up. I, I love what Verhoeven does with sci-fi. Like he really does a great job of adding philosophical nuance, I think, to to storytelling. And I don't think that it was a perfect movie by any stretch. Mm-hmm. And there were plot points within that one too, where I was like, "What? What is going on?" Like what? I don't know. I was a little confused. It took like three or four watchings to to get there. But I love them both, and I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, <laughs> Philip. <gasps> I watched Min- Minority Report. I probably saw it in high school, and I remember liking it. But as with most movies I saw back then, I didn't remember it very well. So watching it for this podcast today, it was cool seeing it again because I remembered very little about it. I remembered just the general plot and it was, I don't know, I don't have much with these movies because there's no sentimentality like a lot of these, like, you know, last yeah. last time it was like, oh, my mom was afraid of this one and I used to run around the video store with the cover. Like and that's I don't how we paid for bread that day. Yeah, exactly. And then the <laughs> other, you know, it's like, and then that time I got abducted, you know, so I don't have any of those memories for these movies. And I watched Total Recall for the first time for this podcast and both of these movies I will say I was really really blown away by kind of the visionary nature of the tech and the design and the just the way they went about both these films both of them were made such a long time ago at this point but they weren't wrong about a lot of things they especially in total recall they nailed a lot of like the tech that we currently have of course back then it's you know it was crude and they were limited to what they had available to them but like they they nailed the general idea and then the thing i really really loved about minority report was how fully fleshed out that universe was everything from the vehicles to the way the vehicles drove to the way the people looked to the things they wore to Mm. the screens everywhere to the way advertising was brought to you Mm -hmm. like that movie was so visionarily if that's a on point yes with what we're moving toward as a society now like the thing that really struck me was when tom cruise was walking through that mall and everything was yelling at him like right you know uh hey i think you need a guinness and you know We've calling him that by way. Name. scrolling through our phones or what like it was that same kind of vibe yeah and yeah. so both of these movies had just this visionary take on what we would be experiencing in the future and i don't know if they realized that a lot of this would actually happen but that was probably my biggest takeaway from both of these movies movies was how dead on um, both the writing from the Philip K. Dick perspective and then the directing uh, from the Verhoeven and Spielberg perspective that just, man, they made two worlds in these films that were scary accurate. Nobody in this room is surprised and no one listening is surprised. If you've been a fan of Movie Wars for a while, you know about my Arnold love. It's it's deep. And uh, not to get too too deep, but you're like, I, don't ha- I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. He's dead. But the only thing we did kind of bond over was Arnold movies. He wore Arnold mm-hmm. Tank top. My dad was kind of jacked while he was alive, even though he's a raging alcoholic. <laughs> he was jacked and he wore Arnold shirts. Like Arnold was just around hmm. in my house. We had an Arnold poster. You know, you know, we could we didn't have health insurance. We had an Arnold poster. <laughs> Arnold Postenager. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Go, uh, Arnold health insurance insurancenator. Yeah. Um, but we, so to, I would take in, and we always joke about me seeing things and reading things too young, but Arnold was just, uh, he's, if you asked me five things that I associated my childhood with, Arnold would be one of them. Yeah. The <laughs> first five letters of his, of his name would just, that would be all. Yeah, just it. Not a good joke. Anyway, keep Hey-o. going. Future Phil. <laughs> Future Phil. <laughs> Edit out your own weird shitty reasons. joke, you fucking idiot. All right. But this Total Recall was funny. It's 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 a lot like RoboCop in a way that I loved it. It had the action and the visuals to hook me as a kid. And as my philosophical interest increased in my life, 
you know, being able to pick up on that as an older film lover has meant a lot. So I, I love Arnold. I love Total Recall. I'm such a Verhoeven fan. Robocop's my third favorite film of all time. So getting an Arnold. Oh, shit. Yeah. Getting That's an why Ar you got offended when, never mind. Anyway, yeah. keep going. Oh, yeah, dude. You don't even know. I have an Arnold. I have a Robocop action figure next to my vinyls. I had one growing up, too. It's it's deep. And uh, kind of like what you said, Drew, a Verhoeven, they wanted to work together in Robocop. Robocop was too big for the suit. But ever since they met discussing <laughs> that, they always wanted to work together. So them getting to work together, Arnold having so much ownership over Total Recall because he's the one that made the deal happen that turned it into what it is today. We'll get into that later. But that I just Total Recall to me is just one of those great films. It's not a perfect film, but it's perfect for me, if that makes sense. Mm. I love it so much. I overlook its flaws for the purpose of enjoyment. But Minority Report, it's kind of funny. Like I remember when I was younger, when it came out, getting kind of confused. Before, this is before my philosophical brain developed. At the plant lady, you and I were texting Drew about Iris Hindman, the doctor. Yes, huge pacing issue with that. I remember kind of getting derailed and just kind of watching it zoned out the rest of the time. It happened almost again. I got to the plant lady, Dr. Iris Hyman part. And again, I'm just like, this scene is so long. And it kind of, the rest of the movie, I just, again, even as an older person who's who's watched There Will Be Blood, like I've watched thick, complex films over and over again. That scene, I could not, I couldn't recover you, from. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's like when you stumble out of a club drunk and you remember like you have a real life to tend to. And mm -hmm. then it's like, you're, you're trying to, after you stumble, out of the greenhouse you're like what so what's happening again like something about his kid and now he's gonna meet the guy that killed it like it was it's just it was hard to recover from that scene yeah and tom cruise is a guy who i i do love for some reasons i'm actually one of those weird movies that everyone hated but me was vanilla sky i think he was perfect in that um jerry Maguire is one of those quintessential films so good so good and we will get to that but the the thing about this movie is as tom cruise i just for me he has to be perfectly cast. Like, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that threw me off about the movie was, you know, talking about my experience with it is like when he's not punching people in the face and doing action things, like if a minute goes by and he hasn't punched anybody, like there's this nervous energy with Tom Cruise. You're just like, when's he going to jump in the air? Like, when is he going to do something? Because he just has harnesses so much energy on screen mm -hmm. and he's so magnetic. Eyes I'm, wide shut. You need to watch that. I anyway. have, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, what's he going to do? Like, when is he going to stop talking and start kicking faces? Like, I'm just kind of like tense just from <laughs> him being on screen. So I feel like it worked in this movie though. Mm -hmm. You think so? Simply because the whole movie like there's the like, this sense of anxiety mm -hmm. about like something's up. Mm -hmm. Like and he's dealing he's grappling with the loss of his son still and it's mm -hmm. been 6 years but it's still he can't get over it then he realizes that he was the one that committed a crime and he can't figure that out which creates more anxiety like it's just like the whole movie has this like kinesthetic frantic energy even the way it's like cut and edited like the stylization of the film which i actually really, really like it's kind of anxious the yeah whole thing it does, yeah. So he worked. Like, it, his thing worked within the Sure. Game. I don't know if they cast him because they wanted to accomplish that or that he delivered that performance. They're like, oh, we need to follow him down that road. Yeah, Tom Cruise is a guy with an interesting range. Obviously, I'm, I'm less versed in the uh, Minority Report. I'm more versed in just loving Philip K. Dick, Dick's books and short stories. So it's really fun to get to to talk about all of it. But I love uh, Philip K.'s dick. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> the best part is his last name is actually Richard. So it's Philip yeah. K. Richard. <laughs> but for short, they Call him Philip K. Dick. They just went, you know, took well, the reverse. Everybody knows angle a dick there. named Phil. Am I yeah. right? Amen. Yeah. 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 Amen. Suck on me, bitches. I saw a tweet the other day that. <laughs> 
Every episode about the time we hit our second bourbon, we get really crass and both for like, about two minutes. And then we dial it and back. And then we call back to that one moment of crassness like three other times. Yeah. <laughs> like Christina Applegate. Like, let's randomly yeah. talk about Christina Applegate yeah. again. Philip K. Applegate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did see a tweet the other day and it was like viral tweet. It said, Dick is not short for Richard. And like I read it, I was like, I know. Like, where are they getting that? Like, where's the why? Like, how did that become? You, you know what I have to say for that person who tweeted that? Shut the fuck up. No one fucking cares. <laughs> this Except was on- I think it was Dude with a Sign, right? And Dude with a Sign has a huge following, so people do care. Oh, yeah, it was Dude with a Sign. I it was that. Dude with a Sign. Yeah, Dude with a Sign. And he, he has some truth. Yeah, you know, we live in a literal society, and you know what? If, if that's really important to you, then you really need to go find find just, a hobby of some kind. Just go find your truth. Randos. <laughs> Randos. Rando Schwarzenegger. By the time Paul Verhoeven... I have a rando. You do? Orange juice. <laughs> Will you will you put that in the podcast? <laughs> that was great. Future Phil, please actually splice that in. That was hilarious. Randos. By the time Paul Verhoeven signed, there had been 42 revisions of this script because they could not solve the third act. They finally came to this idea of like the the You can tell. Yeah, doing the natural oxygen, you know, with the with what the Martians left behind, the technology, but they had such a hard time solving the third act, not to mention that this this script had changed production company hands before. And it, this this project was 10 years in the making before this, they actually made it. This is explaining a lot about yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah, so by the time Verhoeven signed on, 42. Um, originally, Dino De Laurentiis was the, was the owner of the rights to this film. Did he give him away again? Just like he did with fucking Silence of the Lambs? He had, this dude just giving shit. He had to because his company went bankrupt, this actually. Guy. This guy. He did not want Arnold. He was so into Jeff Bridges. He wanted Jeff Bridges to be Quaid, and he just was like, we're not going to have it. And so originally, Alien Masterminds Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett had written this Total Recall. They had all these issues with the third act. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get it going. And eventually, what happened was this is a crazy story. He lost the rights to it. Arnold swooped in. And if you have the Total Recall 4K, there's an amazing documentary about Carol Co. And when you watch Robocop, Rambo, that those C's, all those C's at the production company, like the TriStar symbol, you got the, you know, all the symbols at the beginning for the production company. Carol Co. was a company that was known for letting artists be artists on big budget. So they didn't have to be artsy on a small budget. They're like, we're going to get you AAA dollars, but you still get to be the artist you are. And that's why RoboCop happened, the three Rambos. I love that. Yeah. Gate holders. We talked about that a lot last time. So that was their mission. Arnold wanted to work with Verhoeven and he he had worked with Carol Co. for uh, on other projects. He was like, this is my opportunity. He called the production owners for Carol Co. and said, you have to buy Total Recall because he was Mm. like the only, he wanted to be in this movie so bad. And when Dino De Laurentiis didn't want to be in him, but he went bankrupt. I think they bought it for like thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks or something. And he was able to cast in it. They got Verhoeven, and they were able to make Total Recall after ten years. And that's that's how it became what it is today. It's the crazy cool. story. It's kind of a hard story to tell because there's a lot of intricacies. And I did a lot of research, and I wasn't there. <laughs> so Fair yeah, I heard it bounced around Hollywood, and like R- Richard Dreyfus was originally mm-hmm. originally attached to it, which would have been weird. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know about that one. I can see the Jeff Bridges. I'm going Bridges. to Mars. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I just can't imagine. I can see Jeff Bridges, though. He would have brought down the absurdity a tad. Yeah. Matthew Broderick was another one that was mm-hmm. attached. So. Ooh, Broderick would have been. Huh. These are more just everyman yeah. types, which would have been fine because believable. in the Dick story originally, he was a he was like a paper pusher. Like, An account. He was not. It was, you know. Verhoeven. They, they, yeah. yeah. Verhoeven made a creative decision to make Schwarzenegger a construction worker. Because they weren't going to have that bulky guy behind the desk. Like, they needed him to be physical. Do you exactly. want me to push papers? 
While filming in Mexico, Paul Verhoeven got so sick from food poisoning that he would have an ambulance nearby on set at all times. Oh, my God. In between takes, the paramedics would administer fluids and medication so that he could keep directing in spite of his illness. What yep. a fucking baller. And actually, I in the special features that I watched, Schwarzenegger, brought his, to avoid getting sick, brought his own chef to Mexico to cook for him while he was filming. And then his chef got sick yep. from the drinking the water or whatever in Mexico. So he couldn't cook for him anymore. And so I, I, I wow. don't know if Schwarzenegger got sick. He seems like the type that just would never get sick because he's a Greek god, but thought that was interesting. That's an awesome rando. Verhoeven, one of the reasons he actually needed fluids and pills, he's a very active, energetic director. So when you watch the extra features, he's he literally like running in circles and like he's sprinting and he's like rolling around. Like, I'm not joking, rolling around in the dirt. Like he's such a physical director director the way he coaches actors and stuff that like he needed juices because he's not a guy that just sits in a chair and shouts orders um but yeah the, and also it's i guess mexico city as one of the if not the most one of the most smog ridden cities in the world uh associate producer elliot schick fell ill due to rampant air pollution apparently he reacted really horrible to the uh air pollution so <laughs> i see why you get hooked on these randos dude right? i'm telling you that imagine taxi driver being your favorite movie and picking randos yeah i remember <laughs> I'm that trying to it set took some an hour. shit up for your for an interesting <laughs> video. In the movie Total Recall, Coca-Cola is the only advertised soft drink on planet Earth, while on Mars, Pepsi is the only soft drink advertised Ooh. on the planet. There were beers advertised, though, because I did notice that while I was finishing it. Uh, yeah, in Venusville or whatever? Yeah. It's very true. Actually, Reebok is one of them. They contributed, part of the budget was from these advertising companies. One of the ways they funded this movie was by selling advertising space to companies. Well, another one that yeah, I noticed crazy. and thought it was funny because because for all of the forward-thinking nature of both of these movies, one thing that I feel like movies made in the 80s or the early 90s always miss is the idea of tape or film. And there was a Fuji film, like specifically hmm. Fuji film product placement multiple times in that in Total Recall, which I thought was interesting because... It's kind of brilliant. They, it's like they almost couldn't think outside of the idea that images had to be captured to a physical medium. Oh, you know, Because they hadn't realized yet that digital in some form or fashion would be the future. Man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, and there's one scene when like a TV is on in the background and they say it's like a World Series broadcast. Yes. They say the World Series game whatever tonight live from Tokyo. That was, it's like they were trying to predict that the world like the that was ML Minority Report, right? Or no? Or no, that was Total Recall. That was Total yeah, Recall. That was it's beginning. like they were yeah. trying to predict, you know, like that baseball was going to worldwide somehow be the World Series. I mean, in all reality, the fact that we call it the World Series is absurd. That's pretty pompous. You know, it covers North America and that's it. Well, you know, the Toronto you know, Americans get a chance. <laughs> yeah. Imperialism. Yeah. Really, if they had predicted it accurately, they would have not had a baseball thing in the 2080 because if there's one sport that's not going to last, it's going to be baseball. Incorrect. You know, earthlings. It will become more powerful. People will use electric bats. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. will hit the ball nine million feet and people will celebrate. Nah. So in the little preview here, this was mentioned by Tim McGovern, who is a special effects director. He's going to be on the podcast. We're going to interview Tim down the road. So we can't wait for that. Um, they talked about how this is one of the, I think the only film to win a special achievement for visual effects. And they announced it before the actual ceremony. So it was so unanimous that even before it was televised, the Oscars, they just said Total Recall is going to get it. And they so, got a special achievement award for the effects. That's 
super cool. Um, so one thing I really try to keep front of mind when I watch a film that is kind of predates the ubiquity of CGI is what did they have at their disposal? How did they utilize it? And if I were watching this in the year that it came out, would I be impressed by it? And I feel like Total Recall, one thing that I really couldn't get over with that movie was how complete of a world they made with Ooh, just practical effects. Yeah. Like, Everything incredible. there was constructed or a puppet or a set or something. The makeup looked really good. Like they did mm -hmm. an excellent <laughs> job of bringing that world to life without, you know, the the crutches of CGI, essentially. I think I agree with you 50 percent where I think the like the physical makeup and the, the creatures they created and everything was was incredible because it was like the last I think the last big film really before CGI because just like a year later in T2 yeah they, they had a pretty CGI, incredible totally. CGI that's actually aged really well so I think all of that was incredible it was just that I felt a little bit like the specifically on Mars some of the world felt like I was always highly aware we were on a set like it just felt I never got yes. lost or transported into another world it always felt like like they're acting on a stage. Like that's kind of how it felt. So I did get that feeling, especially the Mars thing. Uh, you could see it the most when they were either walking into one of the like the little villages, or when the car, the uh, taxis or whatever were driving. Vinsville, you right. definitely felt like there the was you were felt on like a stage. Set. That, and that's not even so much what I was referring to. It was more like the puppetiness of some of the things on the people, or or some of the makeup. Like you know, yeah. I, I just thought for and it even overcompensated for some of the lighting and stuff. Like I feel like it was a bright movie. It was it's very bright. Like, I yeah, think if you brought the kind of lighting down and like those glaring red Mars lights, mm -hmm. it's like they were trying to articulate like, hey, you're on the red planet. Yeah. Red yeah. lights everywhere. It's like, just dim it down a little bit and everything would look way better. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. So actually, one of the special effects guys was what brought that up to Verhoeven. He said, because at the time, what they tried to do was with VHS, VHS actually had an impact on color because it was tape-based. So they actually had to make considerations with coloring oh, because it would look different. And they told Verhoeven... They they were like the substance they use so that so it's two things right so the mars the big shots like when arnold's on the train and they zoom out that's a miniature even but they're big they're giant miniatures and then when they're not using miniatures but they're actually on mars and they're life size like at the end when they shoot out of the side of the mountain and they're on mars they were like paul verhoven that's going to be very red they were like it's going to like sear people's eyes on vhs he said well, i don't care red is a bad color to film it is like by and large People. It is. It doesn't show up correctly. And we saw that in Taxi Driver when they had to reduce the red to make mm. it look orange so they could get a R rating instead of an X. So on, but what Paul said is like, I don't care what it looks like on VHS. He's like, I want this to look amazing in theaters. He's like, I don't care what it looks like on VHS. We're not here to film a VHS. We're filming a theater movie. And so that's what he told the crew says, he said, fucking make it as red as possible. It would so, be interesting to see that movie with a more modern filter treatment on it, like knowing the tech we have today mm -hmm. if there were I don't know if there's a 4K release of it there is a 4K release mm -hmm. and it but was very is it red a, is it a new scan it's very or is it like one of those where they take the 2K and it looks great shit I don't know Drew you would know more than me but it looked great I know that interesting I, I was obviously still aware of the sets and everything but I will say that action scene on Mars when the oxygen was finally released to yeah. the whatever so people could start breathing I was pretty swept away mm -hmm. by that scene I don't know about you Kyle but it looked very I watched good. It like when Netflix, the glass was so. shattering on everybody in the bar like I was just like whoa <laughs> Oh, this is yep. this just feels huge. Like the world is changing. It's my second favorite 4K experience to the Revenant, which says a lot because wow. Revenant's new. The Revenant is the best 4K experience I've had. And then Total Recall. I watched it on Netflix, which probably means it was in HD. Last rando for Total Recall. 
Arnold had a ton of control over the spend of this film because he helped yes. broker the deal that got it to Verhoeven. That was one part of it, but whenever Ver Verhoeven would run out of stuff, like money, like for a scene, Arnold would just go ask for it. And because Carol Cole was like, they were a company that wanted to spend a lot of money. I mean, they wanted Rambo 3 at the time. So Rambo 3, which is a movie they produced, which was the biggest budget of all time at the time it came out, they wanted uh, they, they wanted to spend lots of money because they wanted to preserve artistic image and show that you could spend a lot of money doing that. But they would just send Arnold in. Like, Verhoeven was like, we ran out of money for the scene. Like, and, Ver and Arnold's like, I love that scene. We need to keep it. So like a day <laughs> later, they come back and be like, don't worry, I talked to him. You got a million more dollars. Like, so Arnold, I love he, that. he also maintained authority over creative aspects, film, script, production, and even distribution. He, I, I heard that he owned 15% of all back-end receipts. And That's the movie amazing. did $269 million, yep. something like that. On a 50 So he made budget. $40 million on the back-end, not even counting what he got paid on the front-end. Amazing. It's kind of weird and crazy that Arnold is, and again, autobiography, he is a good businessman. I mean, he saw the opportunity. He wanted to be in this movie. He knew how he would, he would benefit financially. He brokered the deal. He got the director. He got everything he wanted, and then he, I didn't even know that part, the 15%, like, what a what a guy. Savvy. <laughs> good didn't for him, Didn't even speak man. English savvy when he moved here. Savage. That's the right way to do it. Savage indeed. Building that wealth. So Minority Report was the sequ was supposed to be the sequel to Total Recall. Now, when the property was being kicked around, it was being kicked around originally during an era where it was kind of popular to make a sequel to a movie that actually had nothing to do with the original. It was originally going to be a sequel, and Drew, I think you had told me that originally, and then I went and researched it. That's crazy. That They just wanted to line up Philip K. Dick materials one after the other, even though they were completely different stories. So our favorite scene, the greenhouse, Dr. Iris Hindman, originally, I don't even... <laughs> This, Why are we doing Aranda on the worst scene of the movie? Because Meryl Streep, Streep was going to play her. They wanted Meryl Streep. She had signed up to play oh, her. Oh, well, that would have fixed the whole movie. That would have made it worse. All right, anyway. You think so? Fucking hate Meryl Streep. Okay, elaborate. Oh. Shots just, fired. You've I, shit on RoboCop and Meryl Streep I'm tonight. starting to wonder if you're the right guy for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm not. I'm I've kidding. said this before. I'm not the I'm right guy kidding. for this podcast. I just don't like her. In so. order to minimize the studio's risk on the movie Minority Report, Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg both agreed to waive their usual salary and agreed to take 15% of the film's gross instead. And they made bank. Didn't Dude, take a penny. That's crazy, right? That's that, how much they believe. Those in guys it. are smart. That's smart freaking business. Yeah. Spielberg didn't need it at the time, and I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise was probably yeah, not. Yeah, Cruise either. But it, it yeah. definitely takes not needing it to do something like that. And then yeah. in the end, you end up making more money. It's funny doing this podcast. We've uncovered a few of those deals. Well, that's business 101. Like assume the risk, make more in the end. If you Amen. believe in it, take on the risk yourself. It's Absolutely. like Brando and Godfather. Remember, he was the studio didn't want him so badly that they made him. They wanted to make him do it for free, and then he ended up negotiating one of the craziest deals ever. Yeah, so I don't I think mean, that's we covered why the, that in that podcast. We did. That's why the three of us put the hundreds of thousands of dollars to make this podcast. That's right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, We've I mean, made no pennies so This far. microphone was but really But we really expensive. believe in it. So yeah, we're we really believe in it. Yeah, yeah, just tell your uh, might, tell your parents to Venmo us. Now money. might be a good time to plug the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just this is why we paid the uh, social media company who does all the Subway and Geico commercials to advertise on TikTok for this podcast. This lines up for me, this rando, because I hate to say it, I don't like Colin Farrell that much. I like him in Guy Ritchie. Same. Film. I like him in Guy Ritchie movies. And what's funny is that he's in Minority Report and then they recast him for the Total Recall remake, which is a disaster and never should have been made. I'm not trying to make my uh, personal uh, whereabouts known here, but it took a 
him 36 takes to do this line in Minority Report. I'm sure you all understand the fundamental paradox of pre-crime methodology, was the line. It's a, it's a lot of words. And a lot I know, of big but words. he's a professional actor. Some $12 words in that. Took him 36 times. I mean, it did take Peter Weller 50 times to catch the keys in RoboCop with his rubber glove. So I guess everybody has their day. But I don't like Colin Farrell, so it lines up. Agreed. Unless he's in a Guy Ritchie movie. I don't like Colin Farrell either. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. He just has a punchable face. Maybe it's Alexander. <laughs> Maybe because Oliver Stone's Alexander failed so bad and he's in it. And it's not necessarily his fault, but he's in it. So I think it's because in the mid-2000s when guys our age were cutting their teeth on film, he was in everything. Like every mediocre movie, it felt like Colin Farrell. Like if they couldn't yeah. get a big-time actor, they got like the B-plus lister, which was Colin Farrell. Yeah, that's I how, agree. That's how it felt. Phone booth, uh, other I, shit. Yeah, Tiger Tigerland is an independent film. That's the only movie I like. I mean, and I like some of the Guy Ritchie stuff. But lastly, oh, actually, no. Drew, you already did that random. His American accent is offensive. Wait, do you like Colin Farrell and Guy Ritchie movies, though? Yeah, uh, yeah. Guy, when it comes to... So let me <laughs> He's re- mentioned it three times. Let me rephrase that. In Guy Ritchie movies, Just I like Colin clear, Farrell. Just to be clear, Kyle likes Is Colin Guy Farrell Ritchie. in Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography? He I is not. But He's he is in several Guy Ritchie films, which I like Colin Farrell in those movies. I have a good rando. Quick one. Drew, give it to me hard. In Philip K. Dick's original short story, John Anderton is fat and balding, not at all like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise is neither fat nor balding. Yeah. So, uh, He's a good-looking man. But so when you post the TikTok for that rando, you should Photoshop a bald, fat, chubby Tom Cruise. That'd be yes. Funny. Yeah. Like use use some app that transmits your image to Russia mm-hmm. or some shit. I don't know. It's really interesting that K, you know, Philip K. Dick. You we know, just call him K. Dick. K. Dick. <laughs> oh, K. Dick. That yeah. K. Dick. Quaid was a Quaid was an accountant. Do you think Dick's perspective was the was he was trying to focus on the mediocrity of life is which is what drives people to these? Probably. I like. I mean, the contrast between like an accountant and like a superhero who goes to Mars. I think he was probably you know that's the obvious writer ploy. Let's you know take an average Joe, Mm. a Bruce Willis, Nicolas Cage type, if you will, and put him on Mars to solve save the world. Nicolas Cage. How have we not done any Nicolas Cage films? He's a fun one because he. He's so polarizing. Well, like, he he's is, like a meme what these could, days. National Treasure has to be, we have to pit that against National Trevor, Treasure, Gone in leaving 60 Las, Seconds. Leaving the Las Rock. Vegas. He has great films. He, he just does. He, he just did mm-hmm. something or said something one time and just became a meme. His new That's movie, just Pig. What happens to you? Have you seen what it's rated? 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. What Pig. movie? It's called Pig. It's an indie film. And apparently, I've read, I haven't watched it yet. It's queued up for me. I'm probably going to go see it now. He crushed it, apparently. People are raving about his performance in it. Dude, Nicolas <clears> Cage is. A lot of fun to watch, and I think because of his voice or the way he presents himself, it's or the, the fact IRS. that his name's fucking Nicholas Cage. I don't know. It's literally the IRS. Yeah, it's just people. He didn't people pay taxes, shit. and he owes the IRS a lot. I don't money. think anyone cares about that because well, I he think took a it, lot of shitty roles to pay him back. Yeah, that's well, part of it. Yeah, that's true. Not to interrupt you, but I was no, just, no, no, no. You're you're not wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> Good segue. Segue. Because now we're already at the scorecard. So shall we war? Shall we future war? Ooh. Ooh. And uh, we we have some good categories today. Drew came up with one at the last minute today. This is a great scorecard. Um, but we're ready. Gonna- we're going to start where we always start. Top Bill cast. Oh, I'm Get not... your app. We need an iPad song, by the way. iPad. Yeah. iPad. Gotta leather case on it. It's so nice. It's yeah. not full of shit. Is that buffalo skin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Touch my buffalo, motherfucker. Buffalo <laughs> Bill. <laughs> buffalo Bills. Top Bill cast. Yeah. Minority Report. Tom Cruise and Colin Farrell. Oh, that's weak. <laughs> 
<laughs> Colin Farrell just cancels out anything good for you there. You're like, oh, it's, it could be freaking Daniel Day-Lewis. I was going to uh, say the same exact example. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis, Anthony Hopkins, Colin Farrell. That movie And sucks. it just cancels everyone. <laughs> fuck that movie. Colin, fuck that. <laughs> Oh, he's gone bronchial. <laughs> yeah. Thank God I own this microphone. <laughs> I know, I'd be billing you for sanitation purposes. Yeah. Top bill cast for Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sharon Stone. Mm. Was she the blonde woman or the dark-haired one? She was the blonde woman. Blonde. All right. Do you want so, to start us off? Sure. Arnold Schwarzenegger was not great as an actor in this movie, nor has Arnold Schwarzenegger ever been great as an actor in this movie, but he is a fucking movie star. Ooh. He's a physical presence. During his entire film run, He's the, like, there's a reason he was like the dude on the poster. Whereas nowadays you'd see like ensembles were kind of like, you know, ensembles kind of carry a film, uh, you know, with star power. But back in the eight, late 80s, early 90s, up until the 2000s, it was like, who's the face in the poster? And Schwarzenegger kind of like was sort of like, no pun intended, the poster child of being the per face on the poster. So, uh, and Sharon Stone, I mean, good Lord, just like she's a problem. Problem. Like, so charming, so beautiful. Great duality. And so like when you find out she's... She's a bad character. Like she's like not on his side. You're just like heartbroken because you're so attracted to her as a character, as a human. Like, so to me, it's total recall. Easy. That was probably the best rationalization of a top bill cast ever. <laughs> and uh, really I have nothing to add to that. I will go total recall. I know. I agree. What you said about Sharon Stone, you said it. I, I, you said something I thought and haven't put words to externally, but for me, it was when Sharon Stone, who, who's not an actress that I think of, like she's just not someone that when I think of my favorite actresses, I don't think of her. But in this movie, I don't know about you if you agree, but when it's when she's, when he's in the dream, and the doctor shows up and is trying to convince him to get out of the dream and she plays it's almost like when she's trying to convince him that she is his wife and they, they're in love she almost turns into a high school girl who's about to get grounded and she's trying to get out of getting grounded and she does it perfectly there's just this weird she has a duality to her in that where I think she she just did it in a way where you're always thinking just enough like I still don't know if you've never seen it and this is your first time you're like I don't know like she's selling it both ways and she's doing great. That's a great point. Like when she's playing tennis. Yes. In her apartment. It's like, is she his adoring wife who's home while he's out? Or does she not give a fuck about this guy? Yep. And she's just like on a job and she's got some downtime so she's getting a workout in. Like it's, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And I gotta say as an Arnold fan, I give it the total recall for that reason with Sharon Stone but um, there's there's a lot to this movie and I think Arnold, as much as Arnold can, you said it well, he is a movie star. He defines movie star. If he's in a movie, I'm gonna watch it and I won't read. I, I, he's one of the few guys where I'm like, I won't even read the Wikipedia. I won't read IMDb. I'm just gonna go watch it because it's Arnold. But he, he did show us something. Like yeah, again, he's not pulling off Daniel Day-Lewis levels of drama but when you look at Arnold and Terminator, completely stoic, and then you look at him in other movies, he, he did show us that he had this lackadaisical, dreamy, kind of lost head in the clouds type of thing in his arsenal. And he did. He had it here. Um, and we haven't really seen a ton of that since. But he he did it well. I think I think he does great in this movie. I think Total Recall is a is a complete win here. 
plus Colin Farrell is in the other one. Total. I'm just gonna call. go ahead and call this as a total bloodbath <laughs> for Total Recall. I don't know. What, all of these categories. Phil loves it. Phil loves it. We'll see. Love what? See. You love Minority Report, or you liked it? I liked it. It was good. Okay. Colin Farrell could have <laughs> sat on a fucking spike dildo, yeah, but you know, with his 36 the, takes on a line. Fuck that guy, dude. Yeah, seriously. Tiny. He, I feel like his head is small. I don't know why that his makes me disrespect. And him. his faint facial hair is big. Yeah, fuck that guy, dude. It's Best supporting big. cast, Drew. Give us the iPad. Samantha Morton played Agatha. Max von Sydow. Sydow? Sydow. Uh, Steve Harris. Neil McDonald. Patrick Kilpatrick. These are all Minority Report. So anyway, we'll get back to the movie everyone cares about. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Michael Ironside oh, for Total Recall. Fucking love him. Ronnie Cox. Love me some Ronnie Cox. Robocop. Philip K. Dick and Ronnie uh, Cox. Dean <laughs> Morris from none other than Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. I knew it. He was fucking dick face. He had hair. With half his face burned. I knew it. Yep. He was Tony. And then uh, Rachel Ticotine. Ticotine. As Molina. Was Molina. The brunette that he pined for. I'll, I'll kick us off here. I mean, I, I, I gotta go Total Recall. I think Michael Ironside is brilliant. And Ronnie Cox. I mean, I, I hate to be the lifer that I am. Everyone that's listening knows I'm a lifer. Ronnie Cox in Verhoeven Films is a winner. He has just got a thing. I, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I'm a professional on Ronnie Cox, but I know he was in my third favorite film of all time, and he's in Total Recall, and I love what he does in both. He kind of does the same thing. He's Dick Jones. He's, he's co- Hagen. They're both kind of similar, but I love what he does. So I go, and, and again, Michael Ironside is freaking, he's just brilliant. Underrated. Love him. Total recall. Well said. I agree with all the all those thoughts. Ronnie Cox, man. I was so excited when I saw him again. I was like, yes, this is my dude from RoboCop. I think he peaked on RoboCop. I mean, he was perfect in that movie. Uh, Dean Norris, I'm a big Breaking Bad fan, so it was cool to see him again. Like, uh, you know, shout out to uh, the Precogs in Minority Report. I thought they, they especially Agatha, forget her name, but way to be like fucking she, wet the whole time in a pool. She. <laughs> what a weird, we've all gone bronchial. <laughs> what a weird call out. <laughs> <laughs> fucking wet the whole time. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about her. She kind of drove me insane. Yes. Me there, too. There was times when she slept in a pool her whole life. She'd probably drive anyone insane. Like there was no greater payoff. So so w during the scene when Cruz found who he thought was his son's killer, which great scene by the way. Yes, very good. Uh, she was screaming the whole time, and it drove me insane. I was like, "Shut the fuck up!" So I can understand what is happening. Like it was just she dialed it up so far that it just it was too much. So in the scene, the payoff in the scene when she was sitting in a house reading a book quietly that was like ah oh, everything is worth this entire experience has been worth it just to see this woman stop screaming however I, then very shortly after she goes run! <laughs> or whatever where she oh just screamed God, run at the top of you, my lungs you, and you still didn't achieve the, the made max. everyone's ears bleed but then he didn't fucking run and can i just say something she screams run and makes every burst everyone's eardrums then he stands yeah. there like a fucking jackass although this doesn't have to do with the category you said the book thing the whole thing the the whole reason why they're sedated in the pool is because they're they're susceptible the reason they were the precogs is because they had dreams right they say this in the plot that they keep having these dreams pictures of people murdering and they're just susceptible 
susceptible to dreams. So you're telling me that she reads a book in a cottage next to a coast at the end of the movie and all of a sudden she's not having these nightmare dreams about people killing? Like, did that just go away because she's reading a good book? Like, oh, Shakespeare, I'm no longer dreaming about murders. <laughs> Maybe they're so drugged up now, they're just like, all they want to do is sit and read. Such a big fucking plot hole. That drove me insane. And she drove me insane and then that last scene drove me insane yeah. because not only is she driving me insane with the screeches, which Phil, even though that was a good one, that still didn't achieve the level of irritation I got from the movie. No, then, because when you did that, I didn't want to stab you in the face. Yes. When she, every time she opened her mouth, I wanted to stab you. Such a bad And casting. it was also really creepy when she got put back in the water after being removed. Ugh. And the babysitter yeah. of the well, freaking precogs never... was like, oh, my girl, kind how of... have you been? Yeah, and the, sticking a needle you. in It was like kind of shit. sexual and weird, Dude, but well, you felt like it was her brother. I think I, the I implication know. there was that this guy was, lived in that basement and his only relationships were with the precogs. And I got like just a yeah. creepy, like rapey vibe from that dude. And, yeah, I don't yeah. like that about, I don't need that in my sci-fi. Give me three yeah. boobs. I don't need the weird yeah. sexual yeah. brother. Verhoeven's going to go there. Sister. Yeah. So we said Total Recall. What do you say? Uh, total Recall, same reasons. I feel like I'm just going to be like, the, our Facebook group jokes about the fact that I will just throw out same, like, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, the, all that shit you said, I'm good. But half the time it's because if it's like if I agree with where the direction you're going, then yeah. half the time your reasoning gets me there. So I, I dig it. But you're also the fan favorite, by the way. Uh, you know this, right? Whoa, whoa. No, he is. Whoa. He is. He's the only person that regularly gets brought up all the time. <laughs> Like yeah, on Twitter, last week, I don't even use Twitter that much, but someone couldn't believe your your criticism of McRib, your McRib criticism it reverberated within they the movie. They couldn't believe it? Yeah, but it was a joke. Someone was joking about your, your but you assault, yeah, you literally had a, a verbal, <laughs> another movie podcaster texted me or he tweeted me a picture of a McRib for you. Okay. It was awesome. Well, he know, I you. hope he enjoyed it. I was, I, you know, the McRib yeah. is what it is. It's like a weird thing that comes out every year and it's almost like an ironic McDonald's menu item. It's like but when like, pork costs come down, everybody's like, yeah. oh, shit, pork prices fell. Let's put out a shitty sandwich. Let's yeah, grind this down, like, freeze it, and heat it up in a fryer. <laughs> yeah, McRib. Like, okay. This is where the blood get bath begins. Let's bleed. There's two ways to... <laughs> Let's bleed. Speaking of pork, let's bleed. Wait, <laughs> there's two ways to phrase this. Cruz versus Arnold or leading the battle of the leading men. Can I start this one? Please do. I want you to. This is where I have to go minority report because Arnold is just very Arnoldy in every role. And it's like you can you can accept the fact that he's in a movie because of all the reasons Drew has given in this episode so far. Like, and none of those are wrong. Like he is a commanding presence on screen. He is a face that people gravitate toward on a movie poster. But if you get down to raw acting prowess, man, like I'm going to probably catch a lot of shit for this, but Arnold just isn't good. Like he's not a good actor. He's not. He's not good. Yeah, he's he just isn't. And and Tom Cruise is for the most part. Like I feel like he did a really good job in Minority Report and in in spite of like a lot of the weird plot holes from that film and and a lot of like the weird pacing which there was a lot of it. I feel like they spent a lot of time on some important things but then they like skipped past seriously important tran important transitional moments like where the greenhouse as we've mentioned a million times. It's like he's driving a car. Oh, now he's in the woods and now he's at the greenhouse. Was that scene it's 10 like, minutes long? How long was that fucking well, scene? I, I don't even care about 
about the greenhouse scene oh so God. much as much as how he got there. He just like appears at the greenhouse and he's like, now I'm here. And he goes in and he says like, you're yeah, the person who like developed act two greenhouse yeah. scene. Yeah. He developed like, you're it. the person who developed precog shit. Like within the context of two movies with a lot of weird plot holes and pacing issues. I, I go minority report here because Tom Cruise was just the better actor. The end. I, that's all I got. Incredible. Very point. thoughtful. Yep. Well said. I think you have to go into this category thinking that you've never seen another Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and you've never seen another Tom Cruise movie. And if you think if you if you go into it thinking like that, it's obvious Tom Cruise is the better character here. I mean, he's he has an arc that's interesting. He lost his son. He's still dealing with that six years later. So, I mean, it was brutal. He's never, I think he's never found closure because he's never met his son's killer. He was the one responsible. Like, I felt like some serious feels. The when scene they cut, in the house at the end, or well, toward the end. Was and rough. when they cut back to the pool scene and you watch the kid disappear, like, he was genuinely being a great dad. He was spending the afternoon with his kid, like, trying to play with him, like, holding his breath because that's what his kid wanted to do. Like, and then even that, the, the acting chops that he demonstrated at the end when he thought he was being confronted with his son's killer, he couldn't believe, like, he, the, just imagine meeting someone that killed your child, your baby, like that. Or even if you think they killed your child. Right. Because and for all intents and purposes, that's what he thought. Yeah, every and piece was, of evidence points to that. I was trying to sift through the distraction of Agatha, who's driving me insane, but that scene, I was really, like, since the greenhouse scene, I was pretty like... <laughs> Yeah. So I was pretty checked out, but then when that scene happened, I was a hundred percent back in because he was just—I just thought he delivered an incredible performance. Now that's no knock on Arnold; he was fun, but it feels like—I mean—he was in on the joke, like he's in on the joke that is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he's just a big, bulky guy that's fun that people like to watch be With physically huge. <laughs> yeah, like it, to, to me, it's—it's it's no question. Minority and Report. That's part of the reason you love Arnold because he does buy into that. He knows who he is, and yeah. he's never—he's never complained. He's never been one to say I've been tired. Casted. He's uh, he seems more like a guy. I'm just glad to be casted. Type of guy. This was so hard because you. So you took the approach that you've never seen an Arnold or a Tom Cruise. I'm going to take the other approach just okay. just for counter. You know, we've seen range from Tom Cruise. I mean, I the biggest range I think I think of. I don't know if you agree, but a few good men. I mean, he really yes. he really does something, and and he doesn't get to utilize that. Now, again, I said earlier one of my favorite movies is a movie that a lot of people hated, especially critics, but it was Vanilla Sky, Cameron Crowe, and he. He has very wide emotional range there. Now, I go Minority Report too, and it pains me as much as an Arnold lifer as I, I am. He did show us something he hasn't done before. I think Arnold, he he had this level of lackadaisical kind of head in the clouds that you hadn't seen and really haven't seen since that I thought was great for Arnold. The weird thing is, is when you put him in this situation, Arnold is a guy that you change the film for, whether Ooh. whether it's for his... That's a strong point. Whether it's for... Think about it. He couldn't be an accountant. We weren't going to have this jacked guy be an accountant. He's got to be a construction worker. He's got to be strong there yep. there you kind of bend the film to him which is great that's a good situation but he's not a guy that like you can't ask him to, to do more you can be like arnold can you just be a little more sad or can you just play this like you don't do that like you're you are tailoring the movie to arnold tom cruise is a guy even though i'm not going to say he's much more than arnold he is a guy that you can ask to do more and he can do more and we've seen him do more mm -hmm. so i do give him the edge as much as i think minority report had a lot of problems i do think he is the saving grace of the movie he's the one reason why 
why you keep watching it. Um, although I will say that swimming scene, it was good, but I still feel like, yeah, he's being a good dad, but this is still Tom Cruise being a good dad. It's really hard to separate Tom Cruise after he jumped on the couch, you know, when he was like, I love her, I love her, the Kate Holmes thing. It is hard to separate those people, hmm. but I do give him the edge here. I love Arnold, and I, but I, I got to give it to Minority Report here. What's interesting to me is that if you, if you asked what was the better acting performance, you would say Tom Cruise. You'd say, okay, well, who is the better character? You would say Chief John Anderson. And then you would say, who would you rather watch? You would say Arnold. What does that say about Arnold's, like, inexplicable magnitude of delight? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the better performance, Tom Cruise. The better character, Tom Cruise's character. But, but who would you rather pay money to go see? Arnold. Yeah. Well, it's and that's why of, Arnold yeah. is Arnold. It's kind of, are you going to see a story in a plot and a concept, or are you going to see a person perform and be themselves? You know, like Minority mm -hmm. Report was a, a yet another like Spielberg vision. And and, and in all fairness, I, more more shit that I'll probably catch. But Minority Report came out during kind of Spielberg's weakest time as a director. Like he yes. had just released a bunch of really not good movies, like yes. AI, which was honestly it's that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Well, Spielberg is a genius. You hand him a shark, hand him a dinosaur, hand him a family with a some lighthearted concepts he is going to drive that ball over the fence every time hand him a jones hand him a philosophical concept with some sci-fi like it, it gets fucking fumbles it's gonna well Sorry. it's gonna be padded yeah, with god just, he fumbled it's like, gonna be padded with visuals and concepts like, yeah he hides a little bit behind the stylization which don't get me wrong it was great stylization yeah it was top notch and it, it reminded very, very me, you know, I got serious Matrix vibes, you know, just the style, the stylized, you know, delivery of the the shots, and you know, even just the questioning of, you know, what is reality and what's real and all, who am I on this planet and all those things. But yeah, it, it, it's not where he thrives. We've yeah. got a whole category for it. So great thoughts, but, but I got he, a lot too. Anyway, that the whole thing Cut was that, to say, I'll, I'll say it again. Oof. The whole thing was, that was to really say, well said. if you're I going want you to say that again, yeah, it's if great. you're going to see a concept, you're going to see an actor. Mm -hmm. It's like the concept is Minority Report. Because that was that's a very very good and relevant concept. And but if you're going to see a performance by a person, it's Arnold. Really great stuff. There. That was a that category went places, and I loved it. So we got two to one total recall. Best depiction of the future. So this can be in your mind. It could be most accurate, the one you like the most. Just in your mind, what depicted the the future in a better way, or in a Philip K. Dick way, whatever you want. Who wants to start? I can go. Um, to me, that was Minority Report. It was just more accurate, and it's also like recency bias like they had more tech to make it look better so it did look better but i feel like their visualization of the future was scary accurate in a lot of ways to where now i'm looking back on it almost 20 years later like the way they depicted advertising and the way they depicted self-driving vehicles and um like the whole tesla and the self-driving vehicle movement the the herald of that has been like well now you can work in your car you can read in your car you can relax in your car while your car takes you to work and they right. depicted that pretty accurately and they also depicted like one scene that really got me was showing how like currently people can live on a busy street and their house will be 30 feet from cars driving by them super quickly in minority report it was cars going down a building vertically while there were apartments around it and so it's like kind of how they depicted population growing to an extent where they needed to go vertical with it in in 
both housing and roads. And there was something about Minority Report that was so chillingly real mm-hmm. that I feel like they just absolutely nailed that depiction of the future down to predicting crimes. Because, you know, a lot of people, whether you agree with this or not, feel like there's been a huge invasion on privacy. That's what Minority Report is. It's a big invasion on the concept of whether or not you're going to do something and, and prosecuting people before they actually commit a crime. And I can see the world going in that direction. So anyway, I go my And that being a there. huge political source of division. Absolutely. That's those are great points. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to th- I'm going to say that Total Recall did an incredible job of I mean for reasons we've already kind of pointed out, but just the way they predicted what is the future now. Like what was to them the future? I mean, we're 31 years removed from when the movie came out. So, I mean, they basically called FaceTime, you know, the idea of just visually like pulling up someone's face and talking face to face. That was unheard of 30 years ago. You know, uh, projecting something up on a screen with projectors and plasma TVs and big screen TVs and whatever. Unheard of 30 years ago, but they called it. Same with the Johnny Cab. You know, Tesla and Uber, they're both kind of developing self-driving cars and and taxi cab services of the future. They called that. Unheard of 30 years ago. Uh, even to the down to the point where the World Series had gone global, did they nail that? I don't know. Is there going to actually be baseball in Tokyo, you know, in t- 2071 or whenever this movie happened? But the idea that there is a globalization happening and that things are, you know, that kind of lines are being blurred and that, you know, the world is getting smaller as tech grows. I think that they just did a great job in 1990. Whereas Minority Report did a great job as well, but that was 12 years later. Not only did they have a more recent depiction of what 2021 would look like, but they had greater technology 12 years later to depict that. So what an they were insane at, leap. They in were technology. at a significant yeah. De- yeah. Yes, right? Only like, 12 that's short huge. years. 12 years. Like yeah. 2010 to now. Not that much. I I feel like movies from 2010 hang just right. fine. Right. But like Minority Report was such a visual leap over Total Recall. God, what a like we really progressed in the nineties. <laughs> like well, it's the same with video games. You look at, you know, you look at a, a, a Super NES and where it went from that was like say early nineties, back yeah. up to PS two. Yeah, and you're like, oh, Whoa. Resident Evil 2. one or whatever, two thousand, two thousand one, yeah. So it's only ten short years you go from Mario jumping on blocks to freaking Metal Gear Halo. Solid two. Or, yeah, Halo. Yeah, Whereas now you go from, Halo, like, let's expand it 20 years. You go from Halo to, well, we're just kind of recreating Halo at this point. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, there's a great documentary coming out in 2025 probably by some genius who's going to articulate better than we are today the leaps from te- of technology in the 90s to, like... First original Movie Wars production. Let's go. Let's do it. Because yeah. that's such a good I'm passionate point. about it. I mean... There's also the nexus of when does the gains of technology become the faults? You know, when does Ooh. the negative effect on society <gasps> become Ooh, that's so- the third act of our documentary. Let's yeah. just freaking do it. Okay, so I'm going to go Total Recall. Yeah. Kyle, what do you think? I go Total Recall, and the reason is, is they didn't overcommit to the future. You know, it was little things. So to me, it's the consistency of the message. Like Minority Report, it's like we got these mutant precog algorithms in a pool predicting crimes in the future, but they can only communicate yes. through wooden balls. Uh, you know, and it I, felt like they I set out to ag- like. I don't agree with the you can only communicate through wooden balls thing. I think that was a verification mechanism that was probably a little weird, but yeah, it was very weird. It was because wood and the green on wood is is it's like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. it was a way to verify the authenticity of the of like calling out what somebody would do well i it felt like to your point which is what i agreed with i feel like it felt like minority report set out to try to create the future. This is what the cre the future is going to look like. It felt like it was trying really hard. And it did a really good job, but it felt intentional. Like, we're, we had to do sure, a really yeah. good job. And it took itself really seriously. Whereas Verhoeven, and maybe if I watched Total Recall in 19, or 2002, or no, 18 years after, it would have been 06 or whatever, I would have felt the same way. But it felt like they weren't trying so hard. It just, it felt more effortless. And maybe that's part of, it's just the difference between Arnold and Cruz. Like Arnold just, it was like a light, more lighthearted thing. But it just felt like Minority Report was trying really hard to predict the future. Whereas Total Recall just accidentally kind of did it. It was awesome. Yeah, and it cast. If that it makes cast, sense. Yeah, Minority. You're so right. Minority Report cast a big vision and it failed. And I think Spielberg fumbled with that vision. The thing that makes Total Recall very relatable is that think about it. And this is maybe just me, but whenever we see these images in real life come back from Mars, I'm like, what a shitty planet. Why do we keep sending go karts up there? Like, why do we? <laughs> why do we keep trying to go up there? It does not look like a place. Oh, you just think in the '90s there were candy bars named after it, uh, music stores. People were just all about some Mars. That's such a good point. There was like this idea that like hey, we're gonna get to Mars at some point, and now it's like, why? We're never yeah, Mars get to is Mars. bullshit. And to Fuck verify your point, the existence that Verhoeven paints with Total Recall is that it kind of is what I imagine to be, which is think about it. The reason the children are mutated is because they're exposed to the elements. They're being they're yes. they're living in basically a slave type colony. Another element of brilliance. You can just control the air. The air is the currency. You work for air, and that was a rando I didn't really talk about, but that's something I didn't pick up on as a kid. But they are working not for money but they're working for air you know these are the rejects of society they are they're mutating children with the elements that really is a more realistic depiction of a if in a future where we do colonize mars it's not glamorous they're not up there making more teslas and shit these are kids like they're prostituting themselves for air you know and, and these people need air ah, get your ass to mars but i uh, i felt there was a consistency to verhoven's message you know and he he does it so well and it, it is his intention i think it's that thing for him he hates sci-fi so he leads with the human spirit mm. and he plugs that human and that's what robocop was it wasn't about a machine it was about a man trying to remember who he is inside of a machine mm. he sees that picture of his family and he says he is like i i can't remember them but i feel them when he talks about his family and robocop that loss like he feels lost even though they're alive they're dead to him because he kind of feels them but he can't relate to them mm. and that's what mars is in total recall so i feel like they didn't strive to do so much like they they wanted to paint a realistic picture of the future I feel like Minority Report I get the vision and I relate to everything you say Phil because that's actually what Philip K. Dick painted was was that dystopian future of we exchange for comforts our privacy but I think Spielberg fumbles it so that's why I go Total Recall great that, stuff man. I could also see 20 years from now us looking back at Minority Report once we're able to actually predict crime or 30 years or whenever it happens if it happens us looking back and being like, holy fuck. Philip K. Dick, Steven Spielberg, this whole crew, somehow they predicted yeah. this. Like, we're going to look. I, my point is. They feel Philip K. Dick did this. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it ah. feels like Total Recall is aging better, maybe because we're further removed. Whereas Ooh. Minority Report, we're kind of in the valley of the aging. Where it feels like it's been far enough away to where it feels old and kind of like, oh, they missed. 
but maybe we're not there yet. Maybe the exactly. wine hasn't aged fully yet. Oddly enough, I don't feel like Minority Report missed. I was watching it just like they nailed this. Like we're headed to all of the things in this movie. You are right about that. We are. We're in it. We're in it. We're arch- we're, we are data archetypes right now as we speak. That, that was the thing that got me is that it was like big data before big data was fully realized. So we are at three to one. It feels really tight though because Phil, the way he's he seems like a lone man on Minority Report, but the way you're defending it is so phil- philosophical. So Phil. Philosophical. You're doing great. I love it. Who are you trusting more? The precogs or Quato? <laughs> <laughs> we we got precogs oh, telling us shit. who the criminals are. We got to trust them. And then we got Quato, who's a man in a stomach of in another a, man. <laughs> and, and is a baby with a, a grown-up voice. Who, by the way, is Chucky, right? Is that Chucky? Dude, the, the Chucky, doll in skin? There was something... We- uh, that was weird. Um, it took 15 puppets to work him, by the way. I, I can see that. Puppeteers. I can see that. Working um, him with wires. If they had just dimmed the lights, it would have looked so much better. Um, right. Man, that's a tough one because... I feel like Cueto, he could see the the thoughts and the intentions of other people when he interacted with them, whereas the precogs could see, obviously they could see these murders before they happened, but there was also this element of, it's not that they could be wrong, but it's that there could be an alternate version based on choice. And it's not, I don't, man, I don't know that I trust either of them because both were used as a tool and a weapon. One was used as a tool to galvanize a resistance for Versus one was used as a tool by the government. Great word usage. Damn. So they're Mm. both just tools in that scenario being used by people who were pushing an agenda. Mm -hmm. One was pushing an anti-crime agenda and one's pushing a resistance agenda. I think I trust the precogs because it's like them as creatures are aware of the fact that they're not infallible, that they have alternate endings for their situations and your choices and and options as a human can play into that. Versus Cueto, I don't think we had enough background on them to know one way or the other whether or not we trusted him. I felt like that was like a weird last third of the movie tack on. But yeah, I'd go the precogs because there's a lot of truth and honesty in their existence, even if the government and the entities pushing the anti-crime thing don't recognize it. So anyway, okay, for whatever that is worth. There was a sinister aspect of Quato Quato, that I didn't trust, whereas the precogs felt like they were completely at the, they were victims of whatever it is that they were dreaming. So I'm going to say Minority Report. I know, and I surprisingly go, I actually really respect the effects, especially, and I can't wait to talk to Tim McGovern about this, but it took 15 puppeteers. I mean, it took 15 puppeteers to work the Queen Alien and Aliens. So, I mean, the fact that it took 15 people working wires to work Quato, you can tell my only criticism of that part is, in we talked about this earlier, it took 42 revisions of the script to figure out the third act. I think that moment is where they finally came in and felt like they figured out and I like the third act, but it kind of was a rough transition to the third act. It was, yeah. And I don't, I still don't understand like making decisions. If if filmmaking and adapting from a book in a short story is all about decisions, why does he? Why is he connected to the dude's stomach? Like, there's so many. It's almost yeah. There was no explanation, I've, but that's also the the, the suspension yeah. of disbelief that yeah. you you get when you go into movies. It's like we kind of ex- like we've accepted that they're on Mars. We've accepted mm-hmm. that there's all these things. Like, sure, guy comes out of another yeah. dude's stomach. Like, it's kind of a blip, right? Like three tits. Okay, I get it. It's weird. The kid were, with the split eye. I get it. They're so mutated. Looking. Okay, the cat, the taxi driver guy. What's his name? The dude that ends up screwing him over. Okay, I get it. He's actually a mutant. Dude and 
stomach is the profit of the terrorist organization. Okay, it's just like, they kind of hit you with it, and it kind of grosses you out, but then they move on, and then yeah. it becomes an Arnold film again. Whereas with the precogs, I kind of get it. It fits into the line, the lineage more. So I actually I actually go Minority Report here as well. All right, three, two. We got another bloodbath on our hands here. I mm. could not, this is actually the category I couldn't wait for. Spielberg versus Verhoeven. And this is up till this point, so... I'll start. Steven Spielberg. You hand him a shark, you hand him a dinosaur, you hand him an American family. He's just going to crush it. He has a way, a lighthearted way. Even Hey, even hand him an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I would have loved to seen that pairing. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Hand yeah. him something lighthearted. He is going to find a way to the core of your soul. He's going to find a way to etch something in your memory that you're going to never forget. But if you hand him a philosophical concept with complex sci-fi ideas, he tends to lean too hard into the special effects into the visual effects into the uh, screen I, I, he does too maybe either too much or not enough I can't quite tell depending on who made the decisions on these some of these movies like Minority Report or AI or some of his kind of swings and misses so uh, Verhoeven it feels like this is kind of in his wheelhouse yeah. doing Total Recall Robocop felt like the perfect audition for Total Recall which is why Schwarzenegger wanted to work with him to begin with so for all of those reasons, I'm going to give this one to Total Recall. Phil, try to top that. I don't know that I can. I don't think I can top that. Um, all I got here is I can go Minority Report because I, lo I I enjoyed it more. It was a little more cohesive to me. Total Recall, like, to me, there was, like, the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie. The first half of the movie was, like, it, it was believable that he's a dude who goes to a place and gets implanted with these memories and goes on a journey. And then the Mars thing was so... I, I think I'm probably hung up on the visuals of it it was so like once they go to mars like things kind of fall apart in that movie visually but story-wise it's still held up so i'm working this out in real time right now whereas minority report yeah it was it leaned heavily on the visuals and there were a lot of issues with the pacing there were a lot of issues with the pacing but overall i i just connected with that story more so i'll go minority report and uh um, steven spielberg in this movie because while he had a lot of swings and misses i didn't feel like this was as much a swing and a miss as like a swing and a pop-up. Like <laughs> nice. Phil played baseball. Well, so. it, I, I wouldn't say it was a miss, but it feels like there is Spielbergian cinema, which we've talked about yes. prior on this podcast. And then there's feels like Total Recall is Verhoeven cinema. If nothing else, it comes down to a branding issue, where yeah, Spielberg has sure. kind of cemented himself in American consciousness as like he Jaws no and Jurassic yeah. Park and like this family, E.T., these yeah. family-friendly ideas. Even Poltergeist that he didn't direct, but he wrote, where it's like he just handles the American family that spirit so well and he just kind of like endears himself and everybody wants to like just latch onto that. Minority totally. Report, it was so ice cold and it, it just didn't feel like Spielberg and it felt Amen. like when he stepped back and got kind of distant from his audience like it, it just it didn't connect whereas for Verhoeven something about the way that he pairs really futuristic complex sci-fi philosophical ideas with the lightheartedness of a Schwarzenegger movie it just worked right I don't know I it just to me it was a no-brainer Sorry, I just took another pass. No, oh, sure. That, that was fucking fantastic. What do you think, Kyle? This is... I don't understand Minority Report being a Spielberg film. This is the guy that took a, a shark that didn't work and made the most maybe masterful practical effects version of pacing with Jaws. Jurassic Park. He had done Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that knows pacing. Yes. This is a guy that keeps our attention. And I don't know what he's doing. And I, I hate well, to say... It makes you wonder.
wonder where the studio got involved and we're like, hey, you need to cut yeah. that out. Because it, it really was already does. a long movie. And it really does. Like it was a two hour and 40 minute movie. Well, and based on that rando that we read earlier that I hopefully it doesn't get cut because this is point is going to make sense if we if it does. But if the, if the studio was concerned about budget, like they asked Tom Cruise, the biggest actor on the planet, and Steven Spielberg, the biggest director on the planet, who both really believed in this project, to take pay cuts mm-hmm. and to not take a dime from this project except on the back end only if it's if it succeeds so if that if all of that my point is if all of that is happening then who know to your point who knows how much they stepped in and said no we got to say this here we got to have more of this here or you know it, it yeah. makes you yeah, wonder I, I feel like a lot of those like early 2000s spielberg films were were I, I could be totally wrong about this and honestly no joke i would love to hear from spielberg about his experience with this because he had a string of films in the early 2000s that were off brand for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering, it's like, was he coming to grips with the new Hollywood in that time? Wow. And he was just struggling Good with question. the idea of very hot the new tech, but the new oversight of, of the studios. Could be. So great point. That's why, like, Minority Report is a mixed bag for me because he does a lot of really great visionary things, but you can almost see where it's like the, the boardroom is breathing down his neck, like, hey, you need to make this shorter because Minority Report's already really long and then because they probably cut out a lot of things it skips from scene to scene. So yeah, it's like, you know, Verhoeven as you said earlier in the podcast was tied to this collective that kind of wanted to enable artists to do whatever they wanted versus Spielberg who had already had a lot of huge hits and huge just blockbuster masterpieces to his name, steps into Minority Report and then AI and then a few others that were not great. Was there self-doubt involved there or were there studios involved there or was it a little bit of both? Maybe I'd love he to was hear just from trying him. to find himself in the new era. Right. Yeah, so, okay, and, and that could be it too. Worked. In the, like it did in the 70s and Jurassic Park doesn't work or E.T. doesn't work like it did in the 80s and Jurassic Park doesn't work like it did in the 90s so what's in 2000? Oh, yeah. Matrix? Okay, what's my Matrix? Oh, Minority Report. Okay, yeah. cool. And you can see the genius with a lot of missteps. But yeah, you never got to land your plane, so carry on, Kyle. Well, yeah, I'm not a guy that that looks at, um, like I've said in the past, I criticize too much sexuality in films as a crutch. I criticize violence without a reason. Verhoeven's a guy that, for some reason, when he uses violence, it's really crazy, but he does it right. Because it's playful. Yes. Yeah. And he's in you for some reason the way he directs you're connecting the philosophical dots like he's using this violence like with RoboCop. Mm-hmm. But Spielberg like I feel like this movie could have leaned into a light R, a light R rating. Not that I'm saying that I needed a ton more violence, but I just feel like there's a brutal message they were trying to give us that they tried mm. to fit into a PG-13 thing. Interesting. And Jaws is a really good example. They didn't have PG-13 then. So he right. he had a lot of margins there he could mess mm-hmm. around with but now that we got this pg-13 really kind of brutalistic future that we're trying to depict and i just feel like spielberg was just really like like you said family give him the family give him this these elements like he was trying to work with the same elements if this could have just leaned into a real light r give them a little more violence a little more adult content i feel like they were already risking it making spielberg and Cruz take a pay cut let's make this palatable let's sell this movie let's make money like i just feel like imagine giving this to verhoeven what if you 
say, hey, Verhoeven, direct Minority Report. Holy shit. Don't you want to see that movie? Yeah. Cast whoever you want. I don't care if it's Arnold or Tom Cruise. Let Paul Verhoeven direct Minority Report. Holy shit. Anyway, I give it I give it to Total Recall. Um, I give it to Verhoeven. I'm trying not to be a homer, but I really feel like we've seen maybe the best war epic we've ever seen in Saving Private Ryan. You remember the first time you saw Saving Private Ryan? I saw it in theaters. Holy shit. Spielberg did that. And he goes on to direct Catch Me If You Can right after this. Think about that. That's true. That was a really fun movie. It's incredible. Yeah. He he basically, I think he launched Leonardo DiCaprio in a lot of ways with that movie. Nah, Titanic did that. I know, but Spielberg. I, uh, I, Titanic did okay. that. Yeah, That's you're That's a good wrong. point. He was I'm in just... Gangs in New York before Catch Me. Come on. Yeah. This is yeah. another no. podcast. <laughs> don't, don't get a little, Hold don't, on. don't get too jerk off on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just saying we we know what we know what Spielberg can do, and he just bobbled it here. So I go total recall. We've got three categories left. The next is a Drew category. So we're at four to two. Drew came up with this category this afternoon at the liquor store. Best balls. Best balls. So gonna... th that means you got to take it. First. Okay. Best balls. Best. Explain what you mean by best balls. Best eyeballs bulging in total recall because there's like three, maybe four. Awesome eye bulging scenes. A lot of bulges. <laughs> or <They're a> lot. <laughs> we got the Powerball recreation in Minority Report with the wood grain precog pre crime balls. And one more eyeballs in a bag. Ooh, fuck. That rolled right. down a fucking concrete oh, hill. Oh, that would have been a better category. Why didn't you say that today? Holy I shit. About because that. I hadn't watched, finished watching the movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched these movies? So let's narrow the category. Best eyeballs. Okay. The eyeballs in the bags of Minority Report. I like or the Powerball, the eye though. bulging in Total Recall. I'm going to go... Oh, so, so I, there's something about the bulging of Total Recall. It's ridiculous and insane. Insane, but I loved it. I thought, it, and it just speaks to the visual effects that they got an Oscar for the, you know, from the three boobed woman to the freaking the mutated oxygenless characters on Mars to the bulging eyes. Like they just did a great job of the visual effects pre CGI, and I just bought in. I, the the Powerball thing, it's fine. In Minority Report, it made sense. Like it was a cool way to visually show how. They could tell the pre-crime situation. I don't know. It's it was yeah. fine. It was a good visual yeah. like way to tell that story. But I'm gonna go Total Recall mm -hmm. because I freaking loved that. Effect. Love it. I'll go. I'll go Total Recall here too because the way that those eyes bulged with the UV radiation on Mars and just all the scenes of the eyes bulging were just <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Those were so. That was that was like the epitome of eighties like masks and and weird stop motion animation where like their yeah. faces were more Those are just puppets. It was just fucking weird. They're mechanical dude. puppets. And and yeah, those were intense in total recall. So I'll go total recall. Best balls. Yeah. I love this category. By the way, there's no one that could ever survive those eyes protruding. I, no, when that was happening, no. I was like, oh, so they're definitely dying as characters? Now what? Dude, well, that yeah. was one of the things at the end of Total Recall when they're laying there like being nuked by the fucking Mars radiation and then the atmosphere develops or whatever and it just what is it stop and reverse I know, like oh we're good now like it didn't happen but that's kind of why Total Recall gets the eyes thing because yeah. they just 
It was like the depiction of how everybody was being fucked over by the by the radiation. That That's movie. a storytelling technique, though. Yeah. I mean, it was Mira great. Hoven, because of the lighthearted approach that he took, mm-hmm. he could get away with shit like that. Totally. Imagine something like that in Minority Report. We'd be crucifying it. Totally. You know? Kyle, put your best balls on the table. Your best balls. I'm going to put my balls on the table. A couple of things. A couple hot takes, too. One of the things that's interesting about the eyeballs popping in Total Recall is it's, it's even though it's kind of gross to look at, it's the least violent of Verhoeven. We've seen him lean into hyperviolence. He chose the moment where your body would be so challenged with the the gravity paradox of mm. being outside with no protection in Mars. It wasn't, it was dry. It's a dry planet. It's dry violence. Like, it's no, not a lot of blood. It's just the eyes and the face. Like, he chose a really interesting moment to not be overly sadistic with his violence. And I thought that was really interesting mm. because you're kind of zoomed in on it. So, A, I thought that was a really interesting choice. And then also, with the models that they used, they didn't have the CGI. You know, this was what the what I read was this not only got the special achievement award for visual effects before the actual ceremony. This was viewed as a transitional film. It was like this is the last great practical effects film before we really start rewarding films for their CGI. And that's this was viewed as a real pivotal film. This was a pivot towards CGI. It's like in 87 Verhoeven knew what he was working with. He used a little bit of CGI with the Ed 209. It's interesting mm-hmm. when you look at J James Cameron and Verhoeven in the 80s because I would say that when you compare Total Recall, Robocop, and Terminator, he chose to use the CGI claymation-looking shit for the Terminator coming out of the fire in 84. Uh, Cameron did, who's known as the master of effects with Avatar, with T2. How do you confuse Aviator? Because I've had four glasses of bourbon. Because <laughs> several Jameson. letters they yeah. share. Yeah, Aviator. a lot of letters. Aviator. But time, again and again, Verhoeven, CGI CGI was available to Verhoeven, right? Because in 84, we saw it in term- Total Recall. They used the weird claymation shit with Terminator. He still went with the physical puppet models. Oh. Verhoeven opts for the models. When Matt Murphy gets shot up in RoboCop and when they, in Mars, when they fall out in their faces, those are puppets. That's not really Arnold. That's right. a puppet of Arnold. It's like he knew what he was dealing with and he was like, I would rather it look this way with puppets than doing really shitty gr- computer graphics. And I love those choices and it works. It still freaks me out and I, I gotta go total recall i think i had not trying to be a homer but damn yeah i love great. those puppets i will say a quick shout out to the to the precog balls in minority report <laughs> just because the way that spielberg used them as a, stor- a storytelling motif because when the ball came rolling out and and colin farrell's character caught it and then cruz is like why did you catch that and farrell's Ooh. like because it was gonna fall he's like but how did you know it was gonna fall something's happen whether you they but, but some things you know are gonna happen before they actually happen like basically mm. make yeah. you it was, logic dictates. It was a way yeah. of explaining the plot of the movie by using these balls. So I think that was a really creative mm. way to tell that story. Damn. Good point. Agreed. That was one of the few moments where the gravitas was there. Mm-hmm. Wow. We are five to two. We got two categories left here. This has been a great. This The five to two feels closer, doesn't it? Drew, you're going to love this category. Where would you want to hang out the least? The greenhouse with Dr. Iris Hyman <laughs> or in Venusville? Venusville. Or in Venusville. Uh, the greenhouse, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, that was a snooze fest. Venusville, sound, <laughs> Venusville seems lit. I would hang out there all day. I mean, yep. freak shows, but, you know, with enough drinks, it'd be great. Venusville would be great. 
I'm going to say, so I guess Total Recall wins that category for me. Where you want to hang out the least, so... Oh, Minority Report. Yeah, okay. The, the Greenhouse. Here's a rando I didn't want to share, but I'm a, a couple drinks in. The, the three-tit thing. There, apparently, there was a huge team of people working on this three-boobed woman. <laughs> but before the woman was a three-boobed woman, she was a four-boobed woman. But Verhoeven didn't like it because it looked like cow udders. So he's, he had them remove one of Paul them. Verhoeven, bless you. He said, it looked too much like a cow and so they removed him that was a little arnold like but they removed one of them so that it looked less utter like it was utterly fantastic amazing way to put a three-tit rando yeah i i mean listen that that's where minority part report fell apart was the greenhouse i just i was i couldn't have been less interested in that movie after that scene so venusville we have Jaform children we got weapons dealers we got a little bit of everything in there there's enough for everyone so you go i would rather i would least hang out in minority report so minority report gets the point five to three wait minority report gets the point the, the question was, where would you least want to hang out? Should I do it well, the other way? The question should be, where would you rather hang out? Where would you rather hang out? So Total Recall would get it. Six to two, there's no there's no way out for Minority Report, but we have one category here. And I'm a little proud of this category. I don't know why I was thinking of the show Shark Tank, Mark Cuban and the uh, sharks, but what's the best Shark Tank idea? Recall, implanting fake memories, imagining people pitching these ideas in the Shark Tank. Recall, memory implants, or pitching the idea of a future crime police. What's the best Shark Tank Which idea? Which one's more commercial? Recall. For Easily. sure. Yeah. Use your business yeah. brain. If, you, if you're trying to get into government dollars, then the crime thing, obviously. Mm -hmm. And government does have a lot of dollars. But government dollars are always going to go to the lowest bidder. And if somebody else has the idea and the tech, they're going to get it over you. But the entertainment thing. Interesting. Like, but Shark Tank is all about selling commercial retail products. The Shark mm -hmm. Tank would So I'm bite. going to yeah. go Total Recall. Boom. Same reason, same outcome, same all the shit, whatever. Ever roast me on Facebook? Fuck you! I don't care. Go Especially ahead. in the COVID era, when you can't really get out yeah. and be around people, you know, people mm. are like, "Wait, I can go out and have an experience and not expose myself to a disease." Done. Is Christina Applegate part of any of that? Oh my God! Call back. Wait, you could go to the very gate where the apples are grown. You guys are cute. <laughs> Total Recall, definitely here. You know, you, the COVID era thing was an interesting point of view, but I personally would rather have memories implanted versus trusting some corporate entity to prejudge crimes. It's like, oh, you're going to arrest people before they do things? That sounds like a huge infraction of liberty. So, I got to go Total Recall. It's it's less of an infraction of, you know. But could you ever trust the company that's putting shit in your brain? Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. Would you trust that the government had worked out some oh. backdoor deal with that company that could be planting some sort of agenda in your mind? Yeah. Oh, I don't like either of them. Trust me. It's trust tough. me. I'm a technophobe, just like our friend Philip K. Dick, but you got to choose. I made the category. You got to choose. <laughs> you got to choose. I'm laughing because you say you're a technophobe, but you live for sci-fi movies. You live for sci-fi books and you work in tech. I know. You send us Google Docs that are on a cloud that are shared. I know, but they're highly scalable. <laughs> <laughs> Tech, you're right. That's why you're in tech and you like to watch these things because yeah. you're so mm -hmm. afraid of it. You need to know. Because I'm seeing the shit behind the scenes, the uh -huh. paradox. But you're yeah. right. Thanks seven, for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Seven, seven to two, Total Recall. I'm sorry, Phil. Your mm. friend Minority Report lost on this one. Minority Report is in it, the minority. I, I was just going to say that. It's not mm. the majority report yeah. for a reason. But what a fun. Total I was, Recall is totally the winner. Totally. Yeah. What a great time getting to talk about these films and Total Recall, especially a childhood favorite. And if you have 
haven't read, listen, Child Philip K. Dick's short stories, are, if you listen on Audible, it's a three-hour listen for both of these stories. Go read Philip K. Dick. Good stuff. I, uh, I'm going to go to Mars. No, Drew. you're going to go to Mars. Drew's wife made roast for us, so we're going to go eat it. Love you. I'm Kyle. I'm Drew. And I'm Philip. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. These people need... Thank you for supporting Movie Wars. We have one more small ask. For just $7 a month, that's right, the price of one measly latte a month, you can support us on Patreon. This will get you access to special content, one-off episodes, and even live Q&As with the hosts, myself included. Also, more money helps us make more content, more episodes, drop stuff more frequently, and just get better all around. Not to mention, it'll feed our children. And isn't that what it's all about? The children. I'm going to drop the link in the episode description. If you're on Apple, on Spotify, you can go to that episode description and find that link to our Patreon. Also, if you are on social media, we are active on all platforms, but we are especially active on TikTok. Find us at Movie Wars Podcast on TikTok. Thanks again for your support. We love you. Bye. Bye.